0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knocks Podcast. My name is Dan Favali. Coming at you, as always, with my super duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, a little bit disappointed that he didn't get more responses to his trade idea mailbag solicitation, co-host Andrew D. Bailey. Before we dive into, I spoiled it already, a trade idea or just trade season mailbag because uh, we are recording this on an early Friday morning and December 15th is Saturday when Many of the free agents who, most of the free agents who signed a contract this past summer are eligible to be included in deals. But again, before we get started, I just want to remind, implore, beg, plead everyone to keep rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. We really do appreciate it when we see those numbers go up. Uh, We can be found wherever else you consume your podcast, but based on our download and listening data, we know that there are more of you out there than we've seen on ratings and reviews on iTunes. So please Take the 10 to 15 seconds out of your day. Search Hardwood Knocks on iTunes. Throw us that five-star review. Give us any feedback you have. And if you haven't already, most definitely subscribe. And if you have subscribed, recommend us to a friend, family member, enemy, frenemy, whoever, a random person you meet on the street. Um, So, Andy, we have to get to the the most pressing question of trade season, though, which is, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Um, I'm excited for the unofficial kickoff of trade season tomorrow i feel like we might get more early activity than usual it seems it just seems like there's a lot of smoke in the air right now
0: yeah normally this is like not a mile marker in the sense that all these deals go down at midnight december 15th it's just speculations able to ramp up and become more convoluted since all these other players are able to be involved but the Riza noise specifically makes it feel like we'll get a deal at some point and then also just the the Western Conference chaos right now because so many teams are in the playoff race. And now you're looking at uh, squads like the Kings, the Mavericks, who despite losing to the Suns, which is, you know, that's, that's something. But you have teams that maybe you thought wouldn't be in the hunt to really win. And now they're probably going to go on the trade market and look for uh, deals that would help them win. That was the rumor for Winhurst specifically that the Kings want to get there. And, you know, you're talking about a Western Conference right now that has, uh, and I didn't notice this, but Rob Mahoney of Sports Illustrated pointed this out. 14 teams in the West have a better record or the same record as the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference right now. So, yeah, and I think that that could just contribute to the to the activity. Yeah. Um, um, but if you're ready, we will dive right into this. Yeah, let's do it. Um, our first question comes from DRock, at underscore D underscore rock underscore uh, should sean marks general manager of the nets trade alan Crabbe to open up cap space for summer 2019 this is a good place to start because spencer Dinwiddie uh signed a three-year extension with the nets player option on the final season worth i think it's 34.7 million was his max and i'm assuming that's what he got uh solid value for both squads but when you look at the nets and their cap projections now you're dealing with um, a double figure hold on Spencer Dinwiddie as opposed to nothing, and I'm sure opening up cap space would be appealing, particularly if you want to carry D'Angelo Russell's hold too. He's uh, DeAngelo Russell is going to be a restricted free agent. His hold is about 21.1 million, and I know a lot of people think this Dinwiddie trade could be a precursor to a uh, Dinwiddie extension. Excuse me, could be a precursor to a Russell trade. I sort of disagree, unless there's a team like the Suns that's willing to buy really high. On him. I, I think they want these two to play together or can believe in a, a LaVert um, Russell combination in the starting lineup long term with Dinwiddie coming off the bench. And he's not making, you know, obscene money anyway. And also, Dinwiddie can be traded in six months. So this this is a deal that could. He's more valuable to them on this deal than he was before he signed it when they were flipping him before free agency. So if they wanted to clear cap space, you do have Alan Crabb. That is a terrible deal. I was uh when he got his four year seventy million offer sheet from the Nets, uh incidentally. Coincidentally, I I didn't I defended it, saying it was an overpay, but that he would come close to being worth it, and he has not. His defense is sort of regressed and he was probably overrated in Portland due to their schemes to begin with. He's a fine standstill shooter, but just doesn't do anything else. And so I don't the Nets shouldn't be giving up any picks um to get off his contract. The only hypothetical deal I could think of was if you're the Spurs, you're not going to have cap space anyway this summer. And so why not see if you can dangle Pau Gasol's deal? He's only guaranteed $6.7 million next year. And if you can put him in a trade and get back Crab, who you just need the shooting, it um, isn't going to hurt your defense, which with the exception of late has been pretty bad. And then you get back Rondé Hollis Jefferson as well, because I don't think he's a piece that fits in to the Nets' long-term plans. And so you get a look at him for the rest of this year. Maybe he can help you at the four defensively. Uh, he enters restricted free agency. Perhaps you get him on a on a value contract. Uh, but that would be the type of deal that I would look for. And then if you're the Nets, you're lopping off. Um, if you get rid of Rondé Hollis Jefferson's hold for next year, which is $7.4 million unless you just renounce him, um, and then Crab and exchange it with Gasol's $6.7 million partial guarantee, you're saving really more then $20 million in cap space, but since you can get rid of uh, Rondé anyway, uh, it's it's about $12 million. And there's a chance that you save even more because who knows if Gasol is going to want to stay in Brooklyn and perhaps in a buyout he's willing to give back um, more than he would be getting in that partial guarantee. That was a really long rant, but that's the type of deal that I think the Nets would have to be on the lookout for. Is there a team that's willing to just take crab shooting and, and maybe RHJ is a sweetener to, to absorb that money?
1: Yeah, I hadn't what I was thinking was um what we traditionally think of as sweeteners, like first round picks and stuff, and I had the same thought as you that I just I can't imagine um first of all, Brooklyn isn't gonna want to give up a pick at this point. I don't think they should still be in sort of an asset collection mindset. So I I wasn't thinking you can you can get off Crab's contract by giving up a first just because I'd rather eat the money and Right, still have those future assets, but
0: unless you it, really don't value Denver's pick this year,
1: yeah, but again,
0: it's a first-round pick.
1: Yeah, I think I would probably rather have that, um, just given where they are as a franchise right now. But the idea of attaching him to a player like Rondae Hollis Jefferson—if if he's not in your plans anyway—then that's that certainly makes it a little bit more interesting. I'm still, I mean, in answer to D-Rock's question, um, I. I'm sure Sean Marks would probably love to get that cap space. Um, it's just, I don't think it's going to be really easy to find a team that's, that's willing to take on the rest of that Allen Crabb contract. Um,
0: and the Nets do have, they don't need to clear cap space unless they really value it. Uh, and we don't know how stars are going to view them in free agency, but they can still easily get to max money. If you renounce RHJ and you renounce D'Angelo Russell, you're, you're basically there. And depending on how much Russell costs, you can still get there, so yeah. I don't think it's a pressing concern. If if an opportunity like that arose, and if I'm the Spurs, I was looking at this more from a San Antonio perspective. If you want to make the playoffs, and just based on how you treated the Kawhi Leonard trade, my guess is you would. It's something that I would consider.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's that makes some sense. Um, and for either side, it's not like a completely prohibitive contract. If you get Crab, or if you keep Crab. Um, obviously it's, it hurts for this summer, but 2019, 20 is the last year of the deal. So, I mean, you get out of it fairly quickly. Um, yeah, I guess you would just have to do an assessment of where you think you are as a free agency player this summer And Brooklyn, uh, to me would certainly have higher hopes of getting someone than, than San Antonio at this point. Um, so yeah, I, I, there, there's a lot of different things to think about there if you're the Brooklyn Nets, but I, I'm certain that somebody in that front office has <laughs> been working on some kind of machinations of, of, potential Island crab deals
0: for sure. Where do you want to go next? Your turn.
1: Sixers. This is from Voltix at V O L T I X F T W. This one isn't a specific player, but Sixers' reluctance to fill their open roster spot means they already have a trade in line, don't they? Don't they? <laughs> I thought you he, he sounded frantic at the end, so I dramatized that for you.
0: I appreciate that. My guess, maybe, if it's going to be like a lopsided trade, but they don't necessarily have the it, like. If you're tra- who are you trading? That's going to bring you back, or what combination of players are you trading that's going to bring you back an extra player? My guess is that they're hoping to keep the flexibility for the buyout market in the coming months.
1: Well, my only thought is maybe there's a Fultz deal. Um, His name is certainly going to be thrown around a lot between December 15th and the trade deadline. I mean, he's after the Jimmy Butler trade, they really don't have any other great um, assets in terms of players to move anyway. It's not like TJ McConnell is going to be enticing people.
0: Right, like they could put picks in there, obviously, and you do have some salary filler with Muscala and Chandler. Even if you want to treat Folt to salary filler, um, <laughs> I just don't. I don't think they're going to trade Fultz. Would be my guess right now.
1: You think he makes it through the year?
0: Yeah, because what is his how how much worse is his trade value going to get between now yeah. and the summer? If he's not playing now, it's not going to get any worse if he doesn't play again.
1: Very true. Uh, I can't remember which podcast it was, but um, man, it might have been Zach Lowe or some somebody was said, was predicting that he's already played his last game in a Sixers uniform.
0: Um, and that and, and could be if, true, but I don't know if that means they move him this season.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that that doesn't eliminate what you just said—that they might have him sit the rest of the season and still move him this summer. Um, but I, I think an overarching question for Philly too is. I'm I'm still not sold on their entire team. I love the top-end talent that they have, and I think that starting lineup makes a ton of sense. But one of the reasons they closed so strong last season was Ilyasova and Bellinelli. And, and of course, those guys were buyouts, so that would go toward your point that maybe they'll just wait to see what the buyout market has to offer. Because um, that that extra shooting punch they had off the bench last season was huge for them.
0: And it's, it's hard to make deals for them that it- – Deepen the roster if you don't include Fultz, because he's a guy you're not using, and if you're trading both Chandler and Muscala, unless you're getting uh, three players back, you're almost thinning out your roster, and I guess that would leave you more flexible for the buyout market. I just don't know what deals are—I mean, they could try and get involved in the Trevor Ariza sweepstakes, but even then, you're you're tasked with coming up with salary filler, and you can't—you could trade a one-for-one, but what is that really doing for you?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um,
0: My one-for-one one point was basically Wilson Chandler because you don't have anybody else, obviously, <laughs> to go one-for-one. One.
1: Yeah, so so in answer to Voltic's question, um, I would say they probably are at least thinking about possibilities. I'm sure they've had some faults offers lobbed their way, but they're maybe not really an urgent sense to make a trade right now.
0: If we want to stay on faults, though, we have two questions, and one I think we can breeze through uh, Nathan Sherman, at Nathan Sherman, 21, faults to Detroit, he acts, Uh I know that was a rumor being floated around, I think. I can't remember who reported it or necessarily where it came from. Uh, no. I, just, I don't know. The Sixers aren't going to want Reggie Jackson, and to no. now carry faults and Reggie Jackson at the same time gets really difficult. You're not getting out of that deal, to me, unless you include Kennard and or your first-round pick. I, I don't want to give up either of those right now for folks. I mean, there are permutations that could work. The Sixers aren't going to take on John lore but maybe you could build something around Ish Smith and Langston Galloway or Langston Galloway and Glenn Rommet. There are deals, but I don't want to give up Kennard or a first round pick if I'm the Pistons as part of that.
1: Kennard and Reddick on the same team would be kind of funny, though. The two. White those two six- and
0: Shamit. Just all these little JJ Reddicks running around on the Sixers.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, JJ Reddick's Swansong is. Teaching the future versions of himself.
0: That's JJ Reddick instant messaging you right now. I'm telling you to <laughs> shut up. <laughs> uh, the other Markel Fultz one, maybe a little bit more realistic, uh, from Ben Otwell at Ben underscore read R E I D 94. How do the Magic get Markel Fultz? And I kind of like the Magic, is sort of, I know they're hanging around the Eastern Conference playoff picture, but I would like them to kind of take a swing on Fultz. And it depends on how low the Sixers are willing to sell on him. I know uh, Zach Lowe floated trades built around Jonathan Simmons and Terrence Ross. I, is that I don't know if the Sixers accept that. Something that's more interesting, and it's only because I don't think he's a wing, and you don't want to chain him to a bench role. Uh, in the in the like the big picture would be. Jonathan Isaac, and then pair him with one of those salaries, and then you go for Fultz. But that's a, That's ascribing real value to Markel Fultz, and I think Jonathan Isaac is going to be a fantastic defender. He already yeah, is kind of there. Uh,
1: if you're Orlando, would, uh, I think it's a real question between Isaac and Fultz just straight up. like Which one would you rather have?
0: It's if you want to take the big swing, because Isaac isn't going to be that cornerstone-type piece. I think He's good. It's just... He's not fault might be, if he becomes who he's supposed to be, someone you can build not just an entire team around, but a good team around. And Jonathan Isaac isn't going to be that. He's more of the complementary defensive hustle guy. Um, they've experimented with stuff with him off the dribble. Maybe he continues to improve his spot-up shooting. He has value. I'm just saying, if you want to swing for the fences and you know that you have Gordon and Bamba, that's something that you could theoretically consider.
1: I'm becoming more and more skeptical of... Marco Fultz, long term,
0: which is fair. You could tell me that that trade's shit. That's totally fine. <laughs>
1: um, but that's that's just me, and it's probably too early to give up on him. So I haven't like fully given up, but um, I'm I'm becoming more and more skeptical of him.
0: Um, here's kind of a fun exercise. Then, uh, who would you trade? I want to just go down this list really quick, and it, it gets e- it's easy in the beginning. Who would you trade from the other 2017 draft picks? Consider trading straight up for him. Number two is Alonzo Ball. I would say no. No. Jason Tatum obviously is a no. No. This is going to get Josh Jackson of Phoenix. Yes. Interesting.
1: I absolutely would. I, De- I think he's
0: a mess. De'Aaron Fox is already the best point guard of that class. Number five, that's a no. Jonathan Isaac I would still consider, but I, again, I, I get it.
1: I yeah, I think that was shaky.
0: Um. Lori Markkinen, no. No, yeah. Frank Nielakina.
1: Um.
0: Obviously, all these salaries wouldn't work right off the bat. I'm, I'm just trying to go through the lottery picks.
1: I think that one is also – I'll put that in the shaky category with Jonathan Isaac.
0: Dennis Smith Jr.
1: <sighs> Same, shaky.
0: I would do it. He's played really – there's something between him and uh, Luka Doncic when they play alongside one another offensively, it seems like there could be a really good fit long-term. I would take the swing because I it's think that the fit between Fultz and uh, Doncic would be incredible. And let's just look at what Rick Carlisle gets out of every single point guard on his roster. Yeah.
1: And it's also pretty crazy what happens uh, to the Mavericks when Doncic plays without Smith. Although you'd probably have some of the same friction, at least right now, with uh, Doncic and Fultz. Right. But um, yeah, that one's that one's in the maybe category for me.
0: Zach Collins, who's on Portland right now
1: uh man that one's kind of team dependent to me because I don't I mean Why do what you
0: Fultz, McCollum and Lillard on the same team
1: yeah exactly yeah, so I might even say no on that one
0: uh, Malik Monk I would yes try. yeah yeah I don't know if Philly would do it, but maybe would they do Malik Monk and Jeremy Lamb from Artel Fultz? that would be a hell of a swing by Charlotte.
1: See, that that I'm not sure I would do if I was Charlotte. I think Jeremy Lamb's kind of good. He
0: but, actually he and, is really good. What if you could do – I don't really know what they're – they just don't have good salary filler, but if you could go Monk, a lot of protected first, and Marvin Williams, like for Markel Fultz.
1: Marvin Williams would make sense in Philly too as their stretch four.
0: Luke Kennard. Um. I'm only doing it if I'm Detroit. I know this doesn't apply just to the player. I'm only doing it if you could attach like a Jackson or a Lore get out of one of those contracts in the same trade.
1: Correct. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, It's just, kind of thing okay. that I had hesitation for Fultz and Kennard. Um, the number one pick just a couple of years ago. It's crazy.
0: It's because Kennard's more plug and play. And while you can yeah. take the the swing on Fultz, what if he turns into nothing?
1: Yeah. And there's, I think that chance is very real. And Although, I know I know at the very least that Kennard can shoot.
0: Um I, I will say when I kind of balked at you saying you'd trade I'm just looking at it right now that you would trade um Josh Jackson for Fultz, they have like identical true shooting percentages. And Fultz has been like absolutely awful and barely able to play. So that that's just a you know, that that's a feather in your cap.
1: Jackson's been really bad. Um
0: this is he a had top- oh, go ahead.
1: game last night where I he just looked like a runaway train, and at one point he spun to nowhere and chucked it five feet out of bounds. It was it was crazy. He he looks completely um he just looks several years away on a lot of very basic basketball things.
0: Um, there are only two first round picks. Oh, there are three first round picks who have a worse um box plus minus than josh jackson from this 2017 class who are they tony bradley
1: yeah that makes sense he's probably played like 100 minutes
0: 29 minutes (laughs) okay (laughs) caleb swanigan okay and tj leaf
1: oh interesting all three guys that have barely played
0: yeah uh uh anyway, to wrap up this exercise, here's a hard one, Donovan Mitchell.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's real tough.
0: This would be interesting. It wouldn't be Philly that would be the team for this, but if you can involve a third team and you're Miami, bam, out of bio. They need half court offense so bad, and they suck this year anyway. I just wonder. Bam. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're probably right.
1: You <laughs> <He> could. <laughs> he he's already there. He already makes more sense as a starting center for them than Hassan Whiteside and you could have him for the next five or six years. I I think he's pretty good.
0: There are arguably three players on their roster who make more sense as a starting center than Hassan Whiteside.
1: <laughs> that's that's fair too. <laughs>
0: um that kind of does that. Do you have a question that you want to go to?
1: That was fun. That was a nice uh
0: that some of those were like awkward thinkers. The Josh yeah. Jackson one, the Neil Aquino one.
1: Um I don't, I don't know about this particular trade, but it'll get us talking about Bradley Beal. Um, this is from Kai Ridiculous at Cam Ham Twenty Five, JV and OG for Bradley Beal. Like I said, I don't, I don't really, I don't like that deal for Toronto. Um, first of all, but I, like I said, I think this will get the ball rolling on a Bradley Beal discussion. Jonas Valanciunas and OG Ananobi for Bradley Beal. I mean, I love. Here, I'll explain why I don't like it. I love Toronto's depth, um, and the bench has not been as good this year as it was last year. But I, I just looked this up the other day. When Kawhi is on the floor, they're plus nine point one points per hundred possessions. When Kawhi is off the floor, they're plus eight point one points per hundred possessions. Um, very little difference there. Very good with and without him. And I think that a lot of that has to do with their depth. So. Uh, to me, that's uh, that's something that I would want to preserve from Toronto. And I, Jonas Valanciunas has been great for them this season. He he, he has he, really embraced that role that they gave him coming off the bench, and he is just killing people in it.
0: His, I mean, he's obviously out with the thumb injury now, but he is playing. I I don't know the exact. I should look this up, but he's playing so like fewer minutes than I even realized than he was compared to last season. So he's he's gone from his minutes have been cut by close to four, 22.4 to 18.8. And he's averaging more points per game. So he's getting to the free throw line more times per game. This is just, he's been fantastic. And the other reason I ever, I agree with everything you said. um, What we really can't sort of discount is that the Raptors are one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the NBA right now. When you filter out garbage time, they rank 27th and uh, Jonas Valanciunas is their best defensive rebounder. So unless you think Greg Monroe can come in and take his minutes, it's not even just about the depth issue. It's about you You make your rebounding worse because Bradley Beal is not going to help you there.
1: Yeah, I think those are all good points.
0: I know you, would- you were hoping this would segue into a Bradley Beal discussion, which I think there's a question um, that relates to it, but I'm going to segue this into an Anthony Davis discussion. Oh, okay. Is that a curveball? So let's Perfect. say, let's say Anthony Davis doesn't sign – his extension this year. I know everyone pegs the Lakers and the Celtics as the the teams that would have the best packages for him. And maybe you're right if the Pelicans are willing to go full-on rebuild and invest in a bunch of unknowns, but the Raptors can make one of the more intriguing trade offers for Anthony Davis. If they know Kawhi's coming back, you have Siakam, you have OG Ananobi who are close to known quantities. And I think Siakam has legitimate all-star upside and then they're going to have all this salary filler, like Valanciunas will be expiring. Uh, ditto for Serge Ibaka. And you could build the Pelicans. They're still going to have Drew Holiday. They're still going to have Etoan Moore. Uh, they could still p- potentially re-sign Miritich. I don't know if they would keep Randall if they're losing Davis. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't start over. Uh, but in that market, you know, you can build a functioning offense around Drew Holiday um, Jonas Valanciunas pick and rolls. And if you have Ananobi and Siakam and some picks that you're also gonna get from Toronto, um, and maybe you take on like maybe you expand it, uh, get Norman Powell, take a chance on him and you can get rid of Solomon Hill, or maybe you don't because you value the flexibility. But that would be, I'm just saying, if the Pelicans don't want to completely bottom out and they're not interested in what it will cost to keep you know, what people need to remember is Brandon Ingram and Jalen Brown are both gonna be extension eligible this summer. Um, yeah, they could be really good players, but how much are you going to want to pay them in one year?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I had never thought of them as a uh, potential landing spot for Anthony Davis. But wow, that would <laughs> that would be quite the roster if they wound up with him, Kawhi and Kyle Lowry. Then, then you have a very real discussion between them and the Warriors.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could. there are just so many things. Like, if you don't want, you can use Fred Van Fleet as a salary filler. And imagine him and Drew Holiday and one Moore playing together.
1: Yeah. You've uh, uh, piqued my interest.
0: Again, and I'm not saying Anthony Davis won't sign the extension. I know uh, New Orleans, rightfully so, are probably exhausted by this discussion. But at least I'm not talking about a Celtics trade. Uh, the Bradley Beal thing, so this is from AJ at... Gorilla, G R R Z I L L A. Best trades Lakers can make with Ingram. If we're talking strictly about this season, I would think that you, it, it's a Bradley Beal trade. Damian Lillard's not available. Kemba Walker's better, but he's going to be a free agent, so I don't know if you give up an Ingram for him. That would just that would be my ceiling for them. I'm not sure who else. You know, now that Jimmy Butler is kind of off the market, and uh, Kawhi Leonard's already been traded, I don't know. This season, it doesn't seem like there's going to be that other superstar to come on the chopping block. The closest I could imagine is Bradley Beal, and that might even be a reach.
1: What's Ingram's value right now?
0: I'm still high on him, and I think if you're if the problem is his fit with other ball dominators, that should still potentially appeal to teams that are looking to get younger or maybe looking for an offensive hub.
1: Yeah, and I've... Um... I was really high on him pre-draft. I think I fell off a little bit during his rookie year, and it's just sort of waned ever since then. Um, but I you know, I had his numbers without LeBron in a stats thread a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, there's, there is, like you said, there's some evidence that he would be fine in a different situation. Um, but he's another guy like Fultz that I just I grow more skeptical of all the time. Um,
0: How do you feel about Paul?
1: I still like ball and <laughs> interestingly enough, it's, it's kind of the same argument. I, I would love to see what he looked like without LeBron um, at this point, although his last time I checked and this could be different now because this has been a while, but his numbers were pretty similar with and without LeBron this season. But I, I think one of the things that made him so special last year was <clears throat> obviously he had the ball quite a bit more and he was in control of a lot more. So this is an interesting role for him. I'm I'm not out on Lonzo Ball.
0: Colin J.J. Krauss X2. C.K. Krauss K-R-A-U-S-S, 7. Ball and Ingram is a must-trade package in my eyes. Their trade value is higher than their future value. Keeping them would be limiting on a ceiling of a team, right? I'm just throwing this in there because it kind of ties into to your opinion. And-
1: together, huh? I,
0: I just don't know who you're getting for that. I, I don't know. Maybe you could get Beale. I don't know if I want to give up. You almost have to give up. Well, no, you don't have to because you have salary filler that you could give up. But it's just – I'm trying to think of a team that would want both of them in exchange for what they're giving up. Maybe you wait it out and see if the Warriors are going to trade Draymond Green this summer, and that's the package you offer them.
1: Oh, wow, that would be interesting. Kevin Durant's leaving, so the Draymond Green thing will be moved at that point. You think? I still think so.
0: We actually have a question about that. I don't mean to um, to hijack this, but – uh, will the from Calvin Fong at Cal underscore Fong F A O N G will the Warriors trade Draymond before twenty twenty when they'll have to give him the max?
1: Yeah, I'm going to say no. I think he's. I think he's there for a while longer.
0: I, I By the way, I want to say yes.
1: You know how you told me to tell you if that Bill Simmons Kevin Durant podcast anything good on it? Yeah, they do get into the um. I can't remember how Simmons brought it up, but he said something like, why would you leave this team? You you have a chance to be a part of this great dynasty. And they all kind of flipped out on him. Kevin Durant and uh, his business manager, Rich Kleinman, and um, <laughs> they were all like, you, you, you got into that terribly, blah, 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 blah. But they did talk about it, just to let you know. Um,
0: anything substantive in that conversation?
1: I, they, I think it was, to me, it sounded like a lot of deflecting. From Durant. What else yeah. can he do, though? To, to I know. Which trade. I was going to say. That's just normal at this point, and probably the right thing to do. Definitely the right thing to do. Um, but I don't. I don't think I heard anything in there that makes me think makes me feel more confident that he would stay with the Warriors. That's how I'll put it.
0: Regardless of whether he leaves, I and regardless of whether they trade him this summer or it, it's a thing where he walks in free agency. I kind of think Draymond Green next season at most will be his last year with the Warriors. There just seems it, to be some, like, awkward tension between him and the organization. And this was almost predating the Durant stuff.
1: See, I was just going to say... Um, and, and yeah, there probably is a little bit of truth to that. But I was going to say it seems like everything's fine as long as Durant's not there. Right. Um, but, to your point, I mean, there was... I think there was some tension. I don't know how much of it was real and how much of it was drummed up by the media about how he kind of cost them the finals by losing his cool and smacking LeBron and all that.
0: Um, was it drummed up by the media? He actually cost them a championship. I know. But what I'm saying is um,
1: how how much did the Warriors actually resent him for that? That I don't know. Um, so I, and I think that's an open question. Ultimately, I I think he stays with the Warriors. He'll be there beyond Kevin Durant. That's how I'll answer that question.
0: Well, that's a nice hedge. Kevin Durant could leave in July and they could trade him in August, and that counts.
1: Yes. All right, I have one. Um, This is from MD Pete underscore two, Matthew David Peterson. Um, And we could probably talk about potential trades, even though he doesn't mention them, but are the Chicago Bulls the most dysfunctional franchise across all <laughs> four major North American sports? My favorite new thing with the Chicago Bulls—and <laughs> I didn't see this till this morning—they've they, apparently appointed a leadership committee. Have I you seen see,
0: this? I was laughing last night.
1: Oh my gosh! Um,
0: can you name it just so just so they can get the full effect of of who's in it and how ridiculous yes. it is?
1: Um, Bulls leadership committee is official. This is from Casey Johnson. Zach Levine, Robin Lopez, Justin Holiday, Bobby Portis, and Laurie Markkinen.
0: So let's just to go over two players who won't be there next year: Justin Holiday and Robin Lopez, who might not even be there past the trade deadline, and Bobby Portis, who punched Nicole Miritich in the face.
1: <laughs> oh man, what a what a mess! Um, Jim Jim Boylan just uh, every new thing that comes out of Chicago. Maybe I actually love the guy because he's given me a lot of stuff to chuckle at.
0: There was we had two Bulls related questions. Um, One of them was from Max at underscore the Max Factor. Does Jabari Parker have any trade value? And this is basically the same question. Heat expert at expert thirty two seven eight zero. Jabari Parker for Hassan Whiteside. Who says no? I will answer the second one first. No would be on the would be on the Bulls' part unless you're getting a sweetener of some sort. You don't want to take on Hassan Whiteside at $25-plus yeah. next year when you can just get out of Parker's contract free and clear. Yeah. 27.1 next year, excuse me, his player options worth. Um, does he have any trade value if you're willing to take back bag salary uh, for uh, a team that has a player they don't want, who's either under-guaranteed next year or has a player option they think he's going to exercise? Maybe you can move Parker. You know, it, What if the Mavericks were just looking to hit detonate and were looking to get rid of Harrison Barnes so they could really maximize their cap space this summer? Uh, What if the Grizzlies, I don't know what they could sweeten it with because of their pick protections that are owed to Boston, but what if they want to get off Chandler Parsons? If the Bulls are willing to do something like that, then yes. Otherwise, no.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, and you you basically said the same thing, but he does have value as an expiring contract. Um,
0: You wanted him on the Jazz way back when, just throwing it out there.
1: and, And some of the SLC dunk guys rightfully gave me crap about it yesterday. Um, I
0: would just like to, I, to, I would just like to let them know that I was ahead of the curve and gave you shit last season about it.
1: Speaking of hedging, I just said, "Well, we still don't know what Quinn Snyder would have done with him." Um, that's that's the fist response that I can always get away with. Um, you put
0: your money where your mouth is, Derek. Favors for Jabari Parker after after January. <laughs>
1: um, no, not <laughs> at this point. But like you said, I, I think if you're looking at him as purely like a uh, cap relief type of an asset then yeah uh, you might be able to find somebody who will take that on but he's uh and I had this thought <laughs> you're going to balk at this um if people had figured out all the analytics and the importance of defense and spacing and all the stuff that we value nowadays would Carmelo Anthony's career have been a lot different like, like let's say all this stuff happens 10 years earlier or or put it this way if Jabari Parker came along 15 years earlier is his career different
0: I think you could say yes for both Anthony could almost be in that Allen Iverson thing where like we could look back and I don't think Allen Iverson's career would be remembered the same way if we looked at analytics then the way we do now yeah I will say compared to Parker and Iverson I would think Carmelo Anthony would have the best chance of if again he came into the league now Adjusting to the to the way that that that, is, that the offense is being played, just because yeah. we've seen him shoot well before, and I still wonder how much of this is just because he's actually old right now.
1: That's uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and if maybe some coach had gotten a hold of him early with uh, really good defensive principles, maybe maybe that changes. But what things? if he
0: began his career as a four? Because and maybe don't even change yeah. the play style. What that's he, true. So. I don't know. I do think there's a, there's definitely a chance. So I think that's an interesting question. Yep. Um, yep. I have one from Dylan Cantor at Bizarro's World 55. Can the Nuggets finagle a trade for Ariza or someone of similar ilk? For Ariza specifically, no, because the salary matching just gets really complicated. And the Suns don't have... You know, when you look at Denver's salaries... They're not going to, even though he's hurt, they're not going to move Will Barton. You're not trading Gary Harris for Ariza. You're not trading Jokic or Millsap, obviously. And then after those four players, your only real salary filler is Mason Plumlee. And while maybe you'd be willing to get off of his contract, uh, he he's good. He's just overpaid for the role that he's in. I still don't understand what Denver was doing when they re-signed him. He had zero leverage, and they gave him that four-year deal. But I don't. he doesn't really have a place in Phoenix, so unless you're then going to sweeten um, the deal to get rid of Plumlee—that doesn't really make sense because he's actually a good player. So now you're going to pay a first-round pick or a future pick or a prospect just to get off of a player who's actually okay. Um, somewhat of a similar ilk, and I'm interested to know what you think about this. They do need wing help, and if the Cavaliers don't want to pay Rodney Hood this summer, he could be traded in mid-January. How low are they willing to sell? Like, can you do like a Malik Beasley and Tyler Lydon? for him and they would accept it.
1: Yeah, that would be really interesting. Um,
0: And maybe like a second round pick or something like that, but
1: he doesn't really fit their defensive resurgence, but I think, uh, I think it would be really interesting to see what Nikola Jokic could do for him on offense. Somebody was asking me about, it was actually Isaac Harris who hosts the locked on Mavericks podcast. And he's been on this show uh, in the past. He was asking me about potential Nuggets trades yesterday. And I think you've brought up the possibility of Kimba Walker if they just took like a home run swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe if if Charlotte kind of falls off between now and the deadline. I think that would be really interesting. But my, my default with the Nuggets, unless there's something like that available or becomes available, is to just kind of write it out. M- most of these guys are still pretty young. Like Nicole Jokic is 23. Gary Harris and Jamal Murray are around that same age. Um, we don't even know what Michael Porter is yet, but it'll be really interesting to see how all of these guys grow and develop together over the next few years, if they keep it together. Um, Nicole, I mean, I think continuity is good for a lot of different teams, but I think particularly with a guy like Nikola Jokic, um you can just sort of get a synergy between him and his receivers for lack of a better word i mean it's like a quarterback receiver type of relationship mm-hmm. with this guy so um I, I again i think my default is to just see how this continues to grow together
0: the hood the hood thing would be interesting to me though if you know if you can get him for those guys and a protected second or something and hood actually hasn't been this is a, it's for a terrible cavaliers team but he's shooting um above 40% on pull up jumpers
1: Overall. He's been better. Yep.
0: Yeah. And he's he's hitting a good a good percentage of his threes. So, and like you said, maybe next to Nicole Jokic. But that would be the level of their deal, just because they lacked the salary filler to make a blockbuster, unless, as you kind of alluded to, it's Plumley and then Murray, and then like you're putting forth your best picks, or maybe even Michael, and you're trying to make that home run swing.
1: Yeah. Let's see. Um so <laughs> mine got a ton of um, Utah Jazz trades. I'll just throw out one for the sake of like 10 of the responses that I got. And I got to find one that's like <laughs> decent.
0: I have a Utah Jazz Bradley Beal question.
1: I Okay, go ahead.
0: Eric Lynn Friend at Hip Mr. Bully. Any remotely plausible way for the Jazz to acquire Beal without giving up Gobert or Mitchell?
1: Um, I've given this answer so many times since the Wizards rumors broke, but, um, I think it all just depends on what Washington wants to do. If their entire goal is to get out of salary, then yes, I do think Utah has a chance because they have so many expiring contracts. Um, if their goal is just about anything else, then, then no, Utah is probably not a big player in that.
0: I don't even, for Beal, I don't think it would be, if it was Otto Porter, I'd probably be with you, but even, what's your best package, like if they're looking for actual value for Beal, it'd be something, once he's eligible, to be traded, built around Favors, Grayson Allen, um, Future First, like that's, and maybe you have Royce O'Neill. I just don't, I don't know if that would do it.
1: Yeah, I don't know either, Um, because, like I said, they can give him cap relief, but, like you're saying, there's there's probably somebody else out there who can give them cap relief and a better future asset. So
0: yeah. Um, did you have any other jazz ones? I know you had a lot of that you wanted to throw out there.
1: Um, no, I think that'll that'll suffice. <laughs> uh, Bradley and okay, I, I lied. This is from Sports Opinion at Another and. That wit. <laughs> uh Bradley favors Sepalosha to the Cavs. Um, so that's a bunch of expiring contracts, I guess. And, and Bradley, I don't know. Um <laughs> Exome and Allen to the Magic. Love and Fournier to the Jazz. And uh then he says probably some picks to be had.
0: Oof. I don't know how low the Cavs are in Kevin Love's deal. I mean, they should be. Pretty low. That four-year, one hundred twenty-point yeah. four million dollar extension kicks in next year. Fournier's having a rough year, though. I almost don't like that trade for the Jazz. I don't even. I'm like trying to remember the pieces. I'm not even sure if it's legal. It sounds like it probably would come pretty close. I, I don't know. Especially if you're giving up picks. Fournier's had a rough year. He's under contract, but we're including this season, three years.
1: You're just hoping for a French connection there, Gobert and Fournier.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, he would kind of I'm satisfy the what they need. Yeah. But the defense I'm with him and Love on the court at the same time could be rough.
1: That's true. Um, but I was going to say, I'm back on the Kevin Love to Utah bandwagon. Now that my Jabari Parker ship has sailed. Um,
0: just, he's, he's injured. Like, what?
1: Well, he won't be injured forever. He'll be fine. He'll be 2013 Kevin Love before you know it. <laughs>
0: Um, I have from cheesy gordita crunk at NP, uh, unintended SP, no pun intended, I guess, whatever. Um, a cheesy Gordita. Anyway, should the Bucks consider tra- trading Chris Middleton rather than paying him uh, a local max? My answer is no. If you were going to do that, it should have been for a Jimmy Butler or a quiet Leonard. And that player just, I don't know who you're going after now. That player isn't out there.
1: Yeah, I would hold on to him, too. And it seems like that's kind of what they're aiming to do with the and, last. And
0: season. maybe you get lucky, perhaps, because he's not. You, the thing about Chris Middleton, and I don't know, a lot of people think him and Tobias Harris could get maxes in this market. Um, When you look at where the superstars might go, there might be teams that are desperate, and it's possible. I, one, think most teams will be more cautious after what happened in 2016 and what works. So maybe the Bucks get lucky there and he doesn't cost the max. But also, he only turns 28 in August, so giving him a five-year deal isn't the end of the world, and so perhaps if he's, um, that's going to take him through his prime, so perhaps he's willing to sign for less than the max if you're going to give him that five-year contract.
1: Yeah, um, I think my much uh, less my much less thorough explanation or, or answer is I, I think they're going to keep him. Um, especially with the move that they made to create enough room to sign all their main guys next season. Yeah. All right. A couple minutes left. You want to do some rapid fire ones?
0: Yeah, let's roll.
1: Okay. This is from Corey DeMoss. Uh, the Thunder need a shooter badly. Who do you think will be on the the market and actually attainable for OKC?
0: Should we say no one and move on?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, this isn't a this isn't a question that I put a lot of thought into. I, I wondered if you had any ideas. I don't I don't know which shooters will be available. I guess Utah took the big fish off that market already with Kyle Korver. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else off the top of my head. Well,
0: the other thing is, is like, who are they trading? Because they're, I would say, their six most paid players or highest paid players are just. Um, they're not going to. They're either immovable or not going to be moved. Westbrook, George, Adams, Schroeder, uh, Schroeder, Robertson, and Grant. So you have Alex Abrines, who has not been good this year, shooting the ball uh, terribly, at five point five million expiring. You have Patrick Patterson, five point five million plus a five point seven million player option. I don't. And then from there, you're looking at Terrence Ferguson, who makes two point one million TLC at one point five. It gets tough to cobble together deals for. Shooters that are making any sort of money. If Miami hits detonate, um, there's Wayne Ellington to consider. I don't think that the Nets are going to trade Joe Harris. I, but how are you caught? Like, what is that package? Because Patterson and Abrines aren't too valuable on their own. So it's just, and it's even like a CJ Miles. Yeah. You can see him maybe becoming available um, because his role is a little bit more limited in Toronto, though he is, you know, he's at like 15, 17, 19 minute per game die for them. I just don't know what the package would be and you don't want to trade first round picks too far off in the distance now.
1: Um oh, I just had another one. Oh, Alexander Birch at the notorious BBB. Just as Courtney Lee, question mark.
0: <laughs> I don't, I it, the Knicks are in a weird spot because he he could be good. Time that contract. Yeah, but he's owed 12.8 million next year. And there's just not the sample size to justify even a contender taking him on. I thought maybe because Moutier's played well, could you kind of get him off in a deal? If you're sending him to the magic, um, who maybe want his bird rights or the sons who might want Moutier's bird rights. Uh, even then it's just, it, it's tough. And I'm not about using Frank Neil Keen as a sweetener to get off Courtney Lee's or Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract for that matter.
1: Um, at Brad Blue, and his is at Jason BNBA. Otto Porter Jr. to the Kings. Zach Randolph, Willie Cauley-Stein, and two seconds to the Wizards.
0: I think there are, if they're going to trade Porter, the Kings are interesting, but I think the, the deal needs to be better than that. It's just I, I would think that maybe they would want Shumpert or Justin Jackson. I know you're trying to deepen your wing depth, but I would think Justin Jackson has to be in that deal.
1: And I would I would gladly give him for a quarter, I think. Um at Seth WBLAK. I know you're not an NBA team, but will you take Wiggins?
0: Nope. Moving on.
1: Yeah. ESPN floated
0: a trade for him to the Kings. If I'm the Kings, they could still have a ton of cap space with him, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, I have yep. two. Do you want
1: to quickly? Yeah, let's Yeah, go. that I
0: wanted to get to. Uh where was this one? I think it was at the bottom. Uh, from Jordan Scott at Jordan 53, do you think Stanley Johnson is available? If so, what would it take to get him? And this one's from, this is going to be tied into my answer from Ryan Jackson at RM Jackson. Are there any options for the Pacers to update? I'm assuming he meant upgrade their roster. I think there are for the Pacers. They could, uh, the Ariza sweepstakes would be interesting for them, but I don't think Darren Collison alone gets it done for Phoenix. And then if I'm Indiana, I don't want to give up. Uh, much more than that for him, maybe they can latch on as that third team who gets KCP just because he's uh, someone who has more defensive versatility than Collison, and he's been shooting the ball, I think, over his last eight games over 40% uh, from deep. That would be something to look at. But the trade I came up with here, and I would say yes, Stanley Johnson's very much available. The Pistons need shooting. He's headed for restricted free agency. The problem is since he's headed for restricted free agency, since he really – Uh, I shouldn't say really. He's not a good shooter. And since he really hasn't continued to develop as this great uh, ball handler, I don't know what you're going to get for him. So here is the trade I came up with, and it is a four-team trade. The Phoenix Suns get Reggie Jackson, Norman Powell, a 2019 second um, from Detroit, a 2020 second from Toronto. The Raptors get Kyle O'Quinn. The Pacers get Trevor Ariza and Stanley Johnson. The Pistons get, and these are all expirings, Darren Collison, Troy Daniels, and Dragon Bender. There might be a team in there. Perhaps it would have to be Detroit that would be willing to give up a a first in this deal, or maybe Indiana's willing to throw in a second as well so that the Suns are getting a a bunch of seconds. But if you could buy low on Norman Powell, Jackson's deal uh, expires after next year, and you do need a point guard. This would be something, and if you're you're the Raptors, you you could get off some money, and I don't know where they really are with Norman Powell, who again hasn't been healthy this year, but that would be a nice buy low wing candidate for, for Phoenix and someone who is, um, he's on his four-year, first year of his four-year $42 million extension, and when you're looking at it, he's not super young, but at 25, going on 26 in May, he's someone who might be able to fit a rebuilding timeline.
1: I'm in on it. Um I like it. I'm rubber stamping that one.
0: The other one I wanted to get to was solve Miami. Um and <laughs> which is hard. This comes from Miami dude at Miami Savage Swag. Um we also had a question, and I can't find it right now, can the Heat uh trade Tyler Johnson uh or Hassan Whiteside without giving up a pick? My answer to that would be a resounding no. Yeah. Um but I came up with this deal in an article I wrote for Bleacher Report and um I'm actually trying to it was like sort of complicated but not really so it's the deal would be it's a three team trade um between Atlanta, Miami and New Orleans. So it would be the Hawks receive Tyler Johnson, Hassan Whiteside, a 2019 first round pick Top 10 protection from Miami turns into two future seconds, 22 and 2025, if it doesn't convey a 2020 second round pick from the Pelicans and Miami would receive Dwayne Dedman, Solomon Hill, Wesley Johnson, Jeremy Lin, New Orleans receives Kent Bazemore, Derek Jones Jr. I know that's kind of complicated to digest, but the, the crux of it is this, if you're Atlanta, Kent Bazemore compared to Tyler Johnson, Johnson is a little bit younger. Uh, you're going to lose Jeremy Lin after this season anyway. Same with Dwayne Deadman. You could put Johnson and Trey Young in the same back or have Johnson come off the bench just for a year. So you're essentially just, it, you're swapping out Kent Baysmore and Tyler Johnson, and Tyler Johnson arguably just looking at the Hawks and what they're trying to do could be a better fit. So what you're doing now is you're giving up two players you're not going to keep anyway, and, um, and you're getting back two picks just to eat Hassan Whiteside's money. And I think that's something they might consider. For Miami, you're getting all expiring contracts, except for Hill, who's on the books for $12.7 next season. But you're ducking the tax this year. This year. And then you're ducking the tax next year, at least projected, which gives you flexibility to re-sign Rodney Magruder, Wayne Ellington, maybe go outside the organization and get some help. The Pelicans, if you can get a wing without giving up a first-round pick, is a big deal for them. You're adding about $6 million in salary next year, but I do believe Bazemore, especially because of what he can do off the dribble on offense, is an overall upgrade over Solomon Hill. And Derek Jones Jr., I think, would be kind of a sneaky, intriguing fit uh, in Alvin Gentry's offense. It's not something that gets Anthony Davis to stay on his own, but you have a path to getting cap space, even with Bazemore on the books this summer. And I also don't know how valuable a ton of cap space is is to a team like New Orleans. I don't know what type of free agents they're going to appeal to, and so maybe just having Bays more and still the flexibility to keep Miritich and or Randall is, is a nice position for them to be in.
1: I like that one too. Um, unfortunately, I do have to run, but if you guys want to hit us up on Twitter about any of these uh, wonderful trade ideas that we have digested, and maybe we'll put some of these ones that... Um, Dan has put together in actual written form in in a tweet with the link to the podcast. Maybe you'd be able to see them a little bit better there. Um, Find Dan on Twitter at Dan Favali F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore math. As always, uh, we urge you to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. If you've done that already, make sure you are coercing someone else into doing that as well. And uh, until next time, we leave you with a shout-out to Ben Udry and Kyle Anderson. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.